0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a guy who uses bear spray to spice his food, Mike <laughs> Vanderbogart.
1: Uh, thanks, Joe, and thank you once again for tuning in. We are once again uh, live. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, some of you we, uh, we
0: use the term "live" liberally.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we're you, live. We're live. Me and you are live. But we're, right we're not really now. live. <laughs> um, and some of you super out there will realize that we are still wearing the same clothes from our last episode. I do want to believe. <laughs> that is because we are recording episodes back-to-back. So don't have a lot of new updates this episode from no, two hours ago. if you ago. want updates,
0: <laughs> listen to the last episode. Yes. And you'll get the updates that you deserve. So you have to listen to both of them and help um, us monetize more.
1: We are... Ever evolving, we've changed the camera angles again. We think we like these better than our last episode. It's
0: all so. incentive to watch the other one too. If you want to see a little bit of a different angle, <laughs> yeah. watch episode forty-four, and then come to episode forty-five. Then go back and watch forty-four again. Make sure to play through the ads. Just let the ads play. <laughs> no, so, God, sorry. Do, no. I
1: mean we don't have anything else, right? No, I uh, I thanked all of our Patreon supporters in the previous episode. Um, I would just say uh, if you want to help the show out. Uh, every dollar, I think that's the the lowest one you can do. Even a dollar a month will get you. After a couple months, you get a free bumper sticker out of it. You get uh, access to a bunch of other episodes. Joe and I are be re- recording uh, a new Patreon episode probably next week. We're uploading a Zoom call we did with all our Patreon supporters later today. It's about an hour and twenty minutes long, so a lot of cool information in there. And uh, we do free swag giveaways sometimes. And once I ooh, get, ooh, that's that's a good plug. If yes. you listen
0: to the last episode, we had no clue. We we've no clue. We we ended up with like a supernatural theory. So if yes. you come up with a good theory that's plausible that we didn't come up with, you get a
1: free hat. Yeah, leave it in the Facebook comments. And like I said in the last episode, I felt bad that was our leading theory cuz we usually we always like to try to find a plausible explanation. Now, of course, I know there's some on YouTube that have left some comments that the only plausible explanation is UFO abduction. So I think we've been doing it wrong this entire time. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, if, uh, any bit of support on Patreon helps. Joe and I are continually updating our equipment. Uh, we are in the search for uh, some studio space. Oh, yeah. For down the road. Uh, very excited. We actually had a really funny idea that eventually when we get our studio, we are to commemorate it. We're going to do a 24-hour live stream.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> from the, of us just talking to people, doing random stuff probably a terrible
1: idea but we we're gonna do it yep
0: (laughs) (laughs) let's give us a a reason to get away from the wives yeah and get out of the house
1: for 24 hours straight and do nothing so if you want (laughs) to you want to see that train wreck happen sooner than later uh, go over to patreon (laughs) and sign up (laughs) find links to that in the the show notes (laughs) (laughs) all right
0: everybody let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown
1: Stanilas National Forest, located in Tulum County off the northwest part of Yosemite National Park. This forest is home to hundreds of miles of streams, rivers, and over a thousand miles of trails. Outside of the natural beauty, this national forest holds a sinister secret. Join us this week as we investigate the Donnell Vista Point Disappearances. So before I go into the location profile, now that we're doing these kind of live, uh, (laughs) Joe informed me that I already pronounced something wrong. It's uh, Stanislaus.
0: (laughs) The irony is that could be wrong too. My correction is probably wrong, but I think it's Stanislaus. Stanislaus. Stanislaus or Stanislaus. So we have a phone number. Yes. If it's wrong, you can call and yell at us, and we'll play your we'll play your call in the air. So be kind of nice if you don't want to look mean.
1: Yeah, and in the past we would have uh, redone that and made sure it was right, but now we're kind of doing these a little more live. Uh, maybe so we wouldn't have, maybe not. <laughs> so all right, we'll get back into it so we're not <laughs> pissing everyone off. Um, so Donald Vista Point is rated as a pretty easy hike by the National Park Service. It consists of a quarter mile paved trail with signs along the way, leads to an overlook with sweeping. Views of the Middle Fork, uh, Stanislaus River Canyon, and Donnell Reservoir. This reminds me of all the big parks that I've been to. Um... We'll have a couple like paved trails that you can take your like grandparents on. and
0: Yeah, like this trail, it looks like a heart almost and like yeah. wraps around the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very simple, very yeah. well marked. Take
1: strollers down it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like something you bring your little kids on because you get the little point lookout. You can see some cool stuff. Yeah. It'll take you a half hour, maybe an hour if you're really taking your time and you can be done with it. It's very, very simple.
1: Yeah. And, um, this is near Yosemite, so I'm assuming that it's probably a pretty busy national forest. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know about this particular spot, but I yeah. mean it's in a it's like adjacent to San Francisco. If you're looking mm. at California, so it's lower than Tahoe, uh, but it's it's in a populated area, and yeah. there's a lot of outdoor activities people do in that area. So yep. I'm sure it's heavily trafficked. Yeah, not I mean- like Yellowstone is, but. Like I said, like it's one of those things, like if it pops up and I'm doing a road trip, it's like, yeah, there's a like, cool little point. It'll take you 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah,
1: sure. I'll park there and do it. Yeah. So uh, at the top, there is a steep, rocky slope uh, with areas of slippery rock. It's a day-use area, not a campground, so there's no overnight camping. Uh, the proximity of this National Forest to San Francisco makes it a really popular recreation uh, destination. and. Uh, if you've ever been to Yosemite in, in a non-COVID year, you'll understand it's probably one of the most popular areas to hike. Uh, the Yosemite area—it's um, absolutely this
0: California is just gorgeous. <clears throat> for yeah, it's for outdoors things.
1: It's a beautiful park. The state—you uh, know—for all the the maybe bad things you hear about California in the news and. Uh, it has some of the most beautiful national parks yeah, in the world. Yeah, those are the world. people. <laughs>
0: Not all the people. We have some
1: no. great supporters, that, but there's the, some of the
0: people there make it bad. But the actual, the natural beauty of that state None is None of the people are
1: bad. <laughs> I uh, I like everyone I've ever met from California. So, um, But uh, top-notch natural areas, you can't beat the parks in California. There's nothing in the world that compares to a lot of those parks, Redwood and... Uh, yosemite and joshua tree and i could go on there's like 20 in the are in california yeah, i know
0: because it's, <laughs> it's gorgeous
1: yeah um so obviously the proximity to san francisco a lot of people come to kayak and whitewater raft and there's over 800 miles of streams and rivers uh, in addition to the thousand uh, miles of trails so the uh, stanislaus is part of the sierra nevadas and specifically falls within the central valley Uh, This zone stretches uh, in elevation from 500 feet to 3,500 is the um, foothill wooded zone, an area that is hot and dry in the summer with very little or no snow in the winter. Uh, Animals typically in this zone are black bears, ringtail cats, uh, coyotes, gray squirrels, bobcats, uh, California mule deer, and skunks. And in that list, probably the thing I'd at least not want to find is a skunk. (laughs) 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 Absolutely agree, 100%. Um, so I think, uh, they must have grizzlies too. Cause Yosemite. I, does. I, I don't think in this
0: area they do because yeah. it's South enough that okay. maybe they don't come down that far. They typically don't come down towards the middle. Yeah. Okay. I, so, I mean, it wasn't listed. I looked on Wikipedia and I pulled this information from both Wikipedia and the, the forest national service. forest service. Yeah. yeah. So like for like the trail rating and for the animal in the area. Yeah. And I definitely, I love I always leave out like little tiny animals. Yeah. Like, cause they'll have a list that's 20 animals long. And some, some episode
1: are, we will list out every insect from the park and it, the, yeah. it'll episode will go four hours. <laughs> yeah. You'll understand why we don't.
0: They'll be like, Oh, we have this type of mouse and this yeah. type of mouse. Cause that's their job that they have to list it. I usually put the ones of like substance and some of like gray squirrel. It's not of substance, but just to give we should you should
1: try idea. to list animals that might cause an issue like black bears. Uh, not, I wouldn't not be too typically. concerned with a black bear. Um, uh, you know, gray squirrels are pretty ferocious. <laughs> Actually, remember Zion? All my food got destroyed. Oh yeah, from uh, <laughs> they weren't gray squirrels; they were the red ones.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know what they are. Uh, maybe it's red-tailed squirrel,
1: or it was either that or chipmunks. Yeah, because we hung it. We I, yeah, we,
0: but we didn't hung it hang it far enough, M- or they were going along the line because we did the thing like we hung it appropriately. Where yeah, it's the line in the middle, and then you go up the I middle think it was line. Chipmunks. Yeah, because they got in
1: there. I woke up the next day, and my food was just decimated by. <laughs> Something something got in there and just shredded it. And
0: we're terrible friends. We didn't share. So we're like, sorry, Mike. You're <laughs> going to starve. <laughs> you're going to be an episode.
1: <laughs> so uh, that is kind of a pretty quick rundown of the location. Joe is going to go into the character profiles of our three disappearances. Yeah, so
0: this one's going to be a little <clears throat> bit different because we're going to go through three separate stories spread out a, across a couple years of people that... And this is we <clears throat> what Mike described was... A chunk of this area so like a big portion of the Sierra Sierra nevadas when we talk about these three disappearances it was three people who disappeared in this very tiny point with this like quarter mile or this really small trail around a parking lot with a point three people all disappeared in that one spot that's amazing that's what makes it that's what makes it so confusing and and just kind of like a a very eye-opening case if you will So the first person we're going to talk about is Nita Mayo. Uh, In 2005, she disappeared. She was 75 years old, was born and raised in England, and married an American soldier in the Air Force. So that couple moved to the states and settled in Oklahoma. So she was born and raised overseas, married uh, an airman, and moved back with him. She enjoyed the outdoors; would often drive over to Yosemite. She was physically and mentally healthy. So that day, Nina left her home, or Nita left her home in Hawthorne, Nevada on Monday, August 8, 2005, and told a friend she was going on a shopping trip over the Sierra Nevada Mountains to the western side of the mountain range. She said she would go over the Sonora Pass on State Route 108 and would return by evening and go to work the next day. She is believed to have left her home at 11 a.m., but she did not arrive at work as planned. When Nina didn't report to work on Tuesday, August 9th, her co-workers at Mount Grant General Hospital called the Mineral County Sheriff's Department in Hawthorne as well as the Tulum and Mono County Sheriff's Departments. On Wednesday, August 10th, a Tulum County Sheriff's Sergeant spotted Nita Mayo's 1997 Mercury Sable station wagon at the Donnell Vista and began a search of the immediate area before nightfall. So she, her car was in the parking lot.
1: <clears throat> okay, so she had driven all the way from Oklahoma to uh, the Vista. Yeah, just to go shopping. And we assume she parked her car at the... I mean, uh, that's Try one hard. of those things, again,
0: it, maybe she pulled off to take a break yeah. and wanted to go for a walk or whatever. It's such a small, easy trail. It's something that I could see somebody doing. If you've been driving for a while, you yep. want to just get out and walk around. So her keys were locked inside the car, which could be opened from a keypad on the outside. Nita had bought souvenirs from a strawberry general store near Pinecrest on August 8th that were found in her locked car, along with her purse, wallet, and glasses. Missing from the car was her camera and prescription sunglasses with no sign of her at the scene nor evidence of foul play. So to me, without going further, we'll, we'll keep reading on. To me, that says she parked her car, took her camera to go take some pictures for a walk. Yep. So she, it, was, it, it was probably during the day. everything else in her car. Exactly. <clears throat> I, she knows the passcode. Put it all in the car. I'm going to grab my sunglasses. It's daytime. Yeah. And I'm going to grab my camera and take some pictures.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking.
0: So a Caltrans worker, which is the California Department of Transportation, saw Anita's car on the 8th and 9th at the Vista parking area, but because backpackers often park there overnight, their worker didn't think too much of it. So sometimes people, even though you can't camp that area, yeah. will park their car and hike to an area you can camp. Okay. So they, it went an extra day without being really reported. Yeah. By then, Mayo's children Cindy, Shelly, Tracy, and Pete had flown in from Oklahoma, Tennessee, and North Dakota when they heard she was missing. They figured she had run off the road somewhere but then they got the call that her car was found at the Donal Vista on Sonora pass that caused even more concern for her safety. When dogs searched the Vista point area, they picked up on no scent of her other than right at the car. Nita Mayo's children searched for, for her for three or four months. Wow. Large organized searches with volunteers were held every weekend. And Pete Mayo said he was out every day searching for his mom. In September of 2005, Authorities announced they were seeking Jewel Janine Rice in connection with Nita's disappearance. She was not a suspect in Mayo's case, but investigators believe she may have valuable information. Police stated then Rice's vehicle had had mechanical problems on the Sonora area on the day Mayo disappeared. And she was going around asking people for help with it. So she wasn't like a suspect and that she was just there and talking to lots of random people. Okay. So on August 12th, she left Sonora without the car. Tracy drove 21 hours from her home in North Dakota to Midland, Texas, where the person of interest now lives. I didn't tell him I was coming. She said, I went alone, which probably wasn't too smart. When I had some questions that needed answers, she went to his place of work, sat there and waited for him. When he saw me, I didn't say a word. She said, he said, hello, Tracy, how are you? He was nervous as they talked, she said, but she extracted no new or potentially incriminating information from him. Hmm. So her family maintains that Nita was scared of heights, so she wouldn't have ventured to the precarious points for photographs. Yeah. News reports about Nita Mayo's disappearance appeared in California, Nevada, Oklahoma, and on Newswire's and her sisters in Cornwall, England. was interviewed by the British news agency. So this went international because she used to be a citizen in Britain. The search was also broadcast on America's most wanted television show. Pete, her son, said, I know she's not right around Donnell's Vista. I crawled on my hands and knees around that place for weeks and found not one scrape of evidence. I know that place better than most locals. I scoured it for months. It's hard to live with the fact that you let her down. The family thinks that Nita met with foul play and have always suspected a man who had been a patient at Nita's clinic in Hawthorne who showed up there claiming he'd heard Nita Mayo had disappeared but had been found. The man later failed a polygraph but no arrest warrant no arrests were ever made. Her daughter Tracy said they hadn't started the searches yet. He was really weird. <laughs> so, so that's that's the first person. So I don't know. Do you want to go a little bit into just this one, and then we'll go on to the next one, or do you want to do all three? Yeah, we could go it? into each one, I guess. Okay. I,
1: I think this one, gosh, gosh, compared to our last episode, I think uh, <laughs> this one is a little more, for me at least, cut and dry. Uh, it. I definitely think foul play happened either – you said she was having car trouble?
0: She wasn't. The she, the first person of interest... Okay. First they first person
1: of interest. ...had
0: car trouble, and <clears throat> that person was asking random strangers for help. Yeah. And that's when they, they, they thought she was a person of interest, say, hey, when you're asking people, people for help, did you see this person or talk to this person?
1: Now, obviously, the uh, gentleman who failed the polygraph test is a major suspect. I'm trying to, I would think so. I'm trying to think... So how would have that worked? So he abducted her back in Oklahoma, then drove her car to Yosemite to park it, to like get rid of it.
0: Yeah. Or like, how did he know she was going there? Like, yeah. Is he stalking her? Did he follow her? Or maybe she
1: mentioned it to him at work. If she's, if it's a patient, you know, nurses are pretty friendly with, you know, they deal with my wife's a nurse and, you know, she has good patients and bad patients and, sure. uh, but they treat them all with respect and, you know, are nice to them and will make small talk with them. Uh, So maybe she was making small talk with this patient and told him, oh, you know, I I really like Yosemite. I'm going up there this weekend to go shopping. And maybe he abducted her and then... Well, and if he
0: said he heard she'd been found. Yeah. Where did you hear that from? Right. And why would you come into work and say that if it's not true? Yeah, I mean... Is that him reaching out like... Sometimes they like start involving themselves in the case because they're part of it.
1: Yep. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously a, a good chance of... Uh, foul play happening at the the Vista. Maybe somebody. I don't think it would be robbery because her wallet was left in the car, and yeah. her car was there. Yeah, so all of her personal belongings were still there. They just didn't take fine. her stuff. So, I mean, it could have been someone that you know. It could have been a serial killer. Kind of, you know. We've. I think that's always a. We've talked in previous episodes that I don't think we give those theories enough weight when we are throwing around theories. There, there's a lot of you know weird stuff that happens out there. Maybe there is more of, you know, serial killers lurking than we think. I don't know. I think it's foul play. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, the polygraph, failing the polygraph, I think he's a prime suspect. I would put it in that bucket, yeah. Um. It's interesting that the police must have not had, you know, they didn't have enough evidence to actually charge him with something. So Yeah,
0: a lot of times polygraphs are not considered very... You can't... I mean, there's been cases where people will fail polygraphs and then be proven completely innocent still because if your question's hard enough, people start believing things. So, like, they've even proven in some cases if you're sitting in a room for 15 hours being questioned by police, Mm -hmm. they can get you to sign confessions, they can get you to believe you did something you didn't do, and you're later proven to be innocent. So, um, I I think that's the only reason that they don't use polygraphs as, like, a good means of, oh, we should get this guy. They probably need other stuff.
1: Yeah. No, so, yeah, I think it was uh, foul play. So... Okay. Um, let's right. uh, yeah, let's go we'll, on to, we'll go our, on our to uh, Pat-
0: Patricia Sol Tol- Tol- Tolhurst in 2014. So Patricia or Patty Sue Tolhurst is 48 years old. Was the owner of Patty Shack, a restaurant in Eastern Sonora. She was last seen in Twain Heart on April 18th, 2014. On April 20th, she sent a mailed letter to some friends saying she was going to go to Kennedy Meadows to put her feet in the water. On April 22nd, her white Toyota 4Runner was found abandoned at Donnell Vista Point on Highway 108. Tollhurst's purse and other belongings were inside the car. Her loved one stated she was having financial problems and may have been distraught over them at the time of her disappearance. A search lasting over seven days yielded no clues to Patty's whereabouts and her case remains unsolved. Thomas F. Kelly, which is Patty's father, said Patty has, had been raised in the Bay Area but always had a fascination with nature. She loved that whole area up there ever since she was very young, he said. She liked everything that had to do with the outdoors. She'd never been heard from again. So there's not a lot of details around this case. Yeah. But basically, it was two days from the last time she was seen that she went there. And, you know, the first one was 2005. Yeah. So internet's still kind of new. In 2014, she's sending a mailed letter to friends saying she's going to go put her feet in the water. Yeah. That seemed a little odd to me. Like, mailing a letter to say I'm going to do something because it's going to take, what, three days to get to somebody? Yeah, unless... Uh, and what's the point of sending that letter?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what you think on this one. I think this one, the fact that she was having financial problems and seemed distraught, maybe something in her life triggered her to spiral into depression and she went out there to commit suicide.
0: Yeah, just, or, or change a pace or do something. maybe if he's bringing it up, that means it was significant enough that it was impacting her life.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, this one feels, you know, I'm leading towards my main theory on this one is suicide with the the letter that she mailed her friends. You know, the fact, like you said, that um, it was enough of an issue that he made a point to mention it. You know, financial, I'll tell you, you know, financial problems can be some of the most devastating things in your life keep you awake at night you know the worry of where am i going to get my next meal or you sure. know am i going like to lose my house a very helpless feeling yeah it's uh, and it can feel um it can feel like you never can solve it cuz you know the the bad thing about debt is it kind of it keeps growing if you yeah. can't pay it off so i can i can totally understand how that could cause somebody to spiral into depression
0: well and she's the owner of a restaurant so she's you you compound Personal financial stuff is very devastating. Yeah. Now, if you're a business owner and you're having financial troubles, you have the responsibility of your employees yep. weighing on you and all those types of things. And that never goes away, also. So you yeah. can have the personal effects of that, the personal effects of the people that work for you. It can be very daunting. And sometimes you can just snap. I mean, I feel like we saw that with Erica Lloyd. Yeah. She had her hair salon and it was all taken away. She just had to leave. Like yeah. almost like, I need a reset.
1: Now, the other theory could be it kind of you Know because of the financial problems, and maybe she went to, wanted to go to the Yosemite area to go hiking and recharge, reset, and maybe something happened. I think that's she, very possible where she got injured um, and succumbed to exposure, or she fell down a crevasse, or you know, something like that. Um, from being in Yosemite and in that area, it's vast. I mean, it's the park is huge, and you know, someone could easily, if they went hiking. Off trail, maybe you you could get lost, and they may not find you. So I think, I think my two theories are you know suicide or she went out there to reset, recharge, and something happened, and they just haven't been able to find her.
0: Okay, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm waiting till the end personally. I like hearing your theories. Okay, so, so you have uh, all the <clears throat> theories at the end. Uh, no, I I'm just saying like oh. I'm gonna go in depth more afterwards. Okay, but I want to I want to keep hearing yours. Okay. So the last one we're going to talk about is Breck Phelps uh, in 2016. So Breck Phelps, 68 years old, disappeared from the Denal Vista while on a fishing trip in early October of 2016. His Nissan Versa car was found a quarter mile away near a trail leading down the Stanislaus River. On October 5th, the search was officially scaled back after a four-day search. His cell phone had been powered down, so he was unable to be tracked by searchers. Tulum County Search and Rescue was assisted by the National Guard out of Sacramento, a Blackhawk helicopter, an unmanned Stanislaus County aerial vehicle, heat-sensing equipment, California Highway patrol helicopters, and six dog teams over the course of this search were used. Boats were used to search the Dental Reservoir as well. Search and Rescue Sergeant Jeff Hunt said his crew approaches each search by the same procedure, but the terrain at the Dental Vista does make it difficult to search. That area has extreme elevation changes within short distances, which can limit areas people can travel in. Due to cliff faces and trying to access areas over the top of large sections of granite to search, so access does pose a challenge. No sign of Breck was ever found.
1: So, this one out of the three cases is kind of more typical of the cases we discuss. And I, this one, first of all, I'm I'm amazed. I'm always amazed sometimes by the searches and <laughs> by the. Uh, the, the amount of equipment brought out for searches, so Blackhawk helicopters, drones heat sensing equipment uh six dogs te- dog teams Th- that's a lot of manpower and money into a search. We always say this you know these search searchers um give it their all when they're trying to find people doesn't matter your age, gender, anything about you their their number one goal is to find you and so i I just like to say that whenever we read something like this I think. A theory here so this one perhaps he fell in the river and drowned and i don't know how big that river is or how fast it flows but i know from talking to other people about other cases and search and rescue people that it's entirely possible that if somebody drowns they can get washed downstream and then i think what do you call it those points where you can get stuck under
0: Um, Oh, now it's on the edge of my tongue because you made uh, like choke points or uh, or something like that. So,
1: you know, strainer points. Strainer points. Yep. So perhaps he, uh, while he was fishing, he had an accident, fell in the water and drowned. And, you know, his uh, body got washed downstream outside of the search area and, uh, you know, got, you know, stuck in one of those strainer points and wasn't found. You would think at some point somebody would find his remains. Yeah. That's one theory. You know, another theory, like the person in this uh, case said, was the train is very treacherous. So I, I don't at all rule out he having an accident where he fell into an area where searchers just can't get to mm-hmm. and weren't able to search. Um, there was no info on what the dogs were able to, you know, if they picked up scent or not. But um, I think, I think my two theories on this case are he fell in the river and drowned, Because of some reason, either he had an accident or maybe had a medical emergency. Or on his way to the river to go fishing, he had an accident where he fell into a crevasse or a deep, you know, somewhere where it it would be hard for searchers to find his remains. That's that's the two that come to mind real quick.
0: No, I think that makes sense. I agree with you on that one. I would say... Unlike the last episode, <laughs> yeah. these all have, I think, very plausible cases. I think yeah. the, the thing that makes these very mysterious is the fact that nothing was ever found of those people yeah, except for their vehicles, and the vehicles were untouched, so it's not like there's foul play, at least at where their vehicle was. Mm-hmm. So the first two, um, I feel like the first one was the most likely to be foul play.
1: Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um,
0: it didn't sound like there's anything going wrong in her life that would cause her to do anything that would be rash uh second one i'm with you on as unfortunate as it is that could have went there to harm herself yes um i think the letter to her friends is the thing that makes me think that that's the case yeah that's it's it's such a weird way to communicate in a modern time 2014
1: if it was like 1994
0: exactly then it's like okay maybe but even then like you're writing a letter to say I'm gonna go dip do, my toes yeah, in the like water. do something for a day,
1: I, and who knows if that had some kind of meaning with her friends? Like when they read it, they're like, maybe.
0: Oh no. Well, like, or or maybe they sent random letters to each other. Like yeah, they, maybe like they're friends. Yeah, maybe they they like, hey, this is what I'm doing this week. Like yeah. it, that could be normal to me. I, I'm looking at it without knowing the personal dynamic of that friend group, mm-hmm. Um, but. Given the fact that it was mentioned that she had the financial problems, you only say something like that if it's significant and enough that it's impacting their life that it's worth mentioning. Yeah. So I look at that. She's a restaurant owner, a lot of pressure on her. Um, I'd like to think that maybe she went there just to reset. Yeah. And maybe there's foul play involved. But I think first one, I'd say foul play. Second one, uh, she went there to harm herself for foul play. Third one, I don't know. I feel like maybe an accident. Mm hmm. Um, it's too bad his phone was powered down. Maybe it ran out of battery or something because you could tell they, were, they would have been able to triangulate his position yeah. if he had his phone on. I don't know on the last one. I'm just trying to think if if you're fishing, what are the odds of you being washed downstream but not finding the body in
1: that area? I don't That's know. the thing. Yeah, if, say he was fishing and had a heart attack and fell into the water and got washed away, yes, the body will be potentially washed out of the search area but somebody downstream will eventually find that find the remains yeah it's not like it's going to stay in a strainer point forever Mm -hmm. um i mean the fact that it it happened in 2016 perhaps it just hasn't you know been found yet i i don't know a lot about this river and i guess I should have looked in, I should have do a little show. Well, there, show there
0: are that. areas, no, there are areas of the river that you can white water raft. Okay. Obviously, he's not fishing there. Yeah. But if we're going to go with that, maybe he got swept up, he had a heart attack, collapsed, yeah. floating downstream, then got into some rapids or things like that. Maybe he could be like against a boulder and a rapid. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Um, and they're not going to search that area if it's way out of
0: the search well, zone. Well, and you can't, I mean, how well can you search uh, yeah.
1: like an actual area that's got rapids? So you know maybe the fact that this only happened in 2016 that at some point the remains will if if it truly is in the river somewhere that they will you know lodge free and somebody will will find them. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, I think you know something to do with the river in the third one or like I said on his his path to the river something happened to him. You would think though if his primary goal was to go fishing he's not going to be going off trail. No, unless. I agree. Unless the trail doesn't lead down to the river, so maybe he has to hike to a certain spot in the trail and then kind of bushwhack it down to get to the river to to fish. If that's the case, then I I feel like the theory of him getting uh, injured on the way to the river is more likely.
0: Yeah, uh, I could I could see that. Yeah, um, I find it weird that they had like all the search efforts, the dog teams, everything come out and they couldn't find anything about it.
1: Yeah, that I mean that then the theory of him falling down something that. Be, is almost impossible to find with searching makes sense. Um, I've seen, we've had people comment on our episodes where I think we don't put enough weight on the fact that some locations have a lot of crevasses and uh, things you can fall down that are almost next to impossible to adequately search. Yeah. I agree that um, perhaps he fell down something like that on his path to the river. If the trail didn't lead all the way to the river.
0: No, I agree. I think there's, there's a running theory. Whenever I read forums or things like that, that I think has a lot of credence that I want to start thinking about more. And it's totally that whole map where they show you like the missing persons, yes, and the cave systems yeah. of the United States, yeah. And now correlation and causation are not always a thing, right? Yeah. I think we have to account for that, but when you see something that correlates that well. I still feel like you have to consider it. Yeah. And that is definitely one of the things that I see. It's like, okay, when you're not on a trail and you're wandering, yep. And we've been hiking a lot. I've gone bushwhacking where you're going off trail because I have maps. I know to read them. Yep. It terrifies me. The idea of, I could just be bushwhacking and I might fall, fall in a hole. That's like three feet wide. That just goes deep. Yeah. And like, how would you find you? Like, like, think about that. Like, you're going through the brush, and you fall in a hole that's, like, the size of three by three foot.
1: And it's kind of covered with some Yeah, kind of like, vegetation. you step in it,
0: and you fall down, and you're in, maybe it's only 20-foot drop or whatever. But you're or, stuck down there now. But you're stuck down there. Probably and injured. Probably injured. Yeah. Broke a leg. Uh, if it's deeper, severely injured. Yep. And who is going to find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, at a situation like that, your best bet is hopefully a dog team can pick up your scent. Yeah, and that's and trace it back to that hole. Yeah, and if you're off trail of where you're
0: supposed to be, I I can't picture anyone finding you. So, like, I don't know if that's a thing, but like, I'm terrified of like these random. Like, I don't think I'll ever go hiking alone ever. That's why you always (laughs) look where you're walking. Yeah, that too. I mean, but seriously though, but like, I, I think about that when I think about like, okay, there's these crazy cave systems. Like sinkholes exist. Like. Are there areas that just have been worn down over time and there's millions of acres where no one has ever stepped a single foot. Yeah. Or at least in the last 100 years and if you just put the wrong weight in the wrong spot you're going to crash through like what was like a foot of soil. Yeah. And you just open up a new hole and you're in the bottom of some cave and you're you're done. Yeah. That's
1: it. No, I mean I, I that's kind of my theory wasn't exactly the the cave system but the same kind of thought process of uh, something happens, like maybe he had to navigate a narrow section down to the river that had some deep, you know, drop-offs on both sides, and he trips and falls. Sure. And he just happened to, you know, just fell into an area that, for whatever reason, is not very searchable. Or he, he hit his head, yeah. knocked out in the river, yeah. and then washed out. But, yeah, I think uh, the third one, no foul play, I think, I think some kind of accident definitely happened, and, you know, a lot of these cases, I think, Probably someday something will be found. Um, I I really
0: hope so, because you always read about how, you know, obviously the family's already devastated, distraught over what's happened. But I've never experienced this because I've had a lot of loved ones die. But, like, you get to go to the funeral, and that's a very important grieving process. I cannot imagine having a loved one that's just gone. Yeah, and like we get perplexed when we're talking. Like the last case, yeah. like it's bugging me. Yeah, and it's not even someone I know. I know. So can you imagine if it's someone you like have a deep love for, a, it's parents, a family member, yeah, brother, sister, yeah, like someone you like deeply love? And there's uh, sorry, nothing. They're just gone. Yeah, like that's that's awful. It's got to be torture. Yeah. So like I, it's always terrible. Like when when. Paul's when Paul's remains got found I like felt a sense of relief for the family yeah and then we talked to his his sister who was out there searching with her husband from Canada and she even wrote back she's like we're just glad that there's closure yeah like it's almost like a relief like it's terrible but it's like okay we have answers we can start to slowly move on
1: yeah it's like the fear of the unknown yeah. if they haven't been found you're you have that creeping sense like oh, what if they're still out there what if yeah, like, what, happened, what like,
0: if we're failing them yeah. by not finding them because there's a ca- possibility they could be found, and, you, like, I can imagine, like, I would never want to stop
1: looking because you'd the, feel like you'd fail them. The other thing is, <clears throat> just a hiker of these parks, now that we've been doing so many of these cases, it is a little unsettling when you're hiking through Glacier <laughs> yes. or Yosemite or Yellowstone or any of these big parks, and you just sit back and think about, wow, there's quite a few Unsolved missing persons cases in this park, like and
0: a lot of the times, right where we're hiking. <laughs> yeah. When I just recently went to glaciers, yeah, not last year, the year before COVID, and I was hiking our big loop that me and you did years yep. prior, and they had an active missing persons case going on. Yeah. On the trail we were on. Yep. And the entire time I'm hiking, I'm like, a because of this show, and we were talking about on the trail. I'm just like, what could he have done? I know. Like I'm, I like I'm walking the trail. I'm looking around. I'm like. Where is this guy? I know. Like, what happened? There's are several areas. Where I'm like, wow. If I like went off here, I could go down this valley and just be gone forever.
1: Like, is he down there? Yeah, that that brings up a, a interesting point, not related to these three cases. But if anybody listening has been lost to the point where a search and rescue mission was out looking for them, and then you were found, we would love to talk to you a about how. The events went down. Like, how did you go missing? How did you survive? What it was like when you saw the first searcher come get you? Um,
0: yeah, that'd be fantastic. There's a, a guy in
1: California. Joe is trying. If, if I reached ever out to him, this, yeah, Dave Knoll, Dave Knoll,
0: out of California, was just rescued. He has the most baller rescue photo ever. He's in the helicopter <laughs> throwing up like the rock and roll hand. Yeah. And he's all dirty because he's out there for like five days surviving yeah. on water. And um, one of our Patreon supporters was it Vince? Yeah, Troy. Or, Troy. Uh, no, it wasn't Troy. No, it was Anthony. Anthony. Sorry, Anthony. 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 Sorry, whoever I said wrong. Uh, okay. He suggested he because he lives out there. He's like, hey, this person was just found. It would be awesome to hear their story. Yeah, and we're like, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I found him. Yeah, and I reached out to him directly on Facebook. I'm going to reach out to his sister too to try and get a hold. Maybe he just doesn't check Facebook. Yeah, it's the only contact I could get. But we totally. If if you're one, if you're Dave Null, or if you're a person that's been rescued. Yeah, and you just want to do a quick hike and you did something and got lost. um, It'd be absolutely beneficial for a listener base to know, Hey, like
1: what did you do to survive
0: or what did you do that caused you to get lost? Was it something as simple as I just went off the trail to go pee real quick yeah? and then I turn around and I couldn't find the trail and I thought I knew the right way. And I went deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, I can promise you we won't make fun of you because that can happen. But I think it would be good for our listener base to understand how easily you can get lost in backcountry or an area like that. And
1: I think it's important for everyone listening too, to understand what you can do to make the odds greater that you will be found. Oh, and absolutely. Obviously the best source for this information is people that have gone missing and then were found. Absolutely. I mean, Joe and I have been lost, and when when you say we're lost, we've been lost. You know, during a hike where you know I I've been lost. You know, in Canyonlands for half a day, and we figured it out. None of us have been lost to the point where search and rescue teams have been called up to find us. That That's a whole new level of, uh, you know, of a situation going on. And it, it's, you know, we talk about a lot of things you can do to keep yourself from getting into these situations. Um, we don't, we haven't really gone into much of what you can do to survive once you're lost. I think uh, that could be a really fun episode down the road to talk about. Things, survival techniques you can do once you're lost. And there's yeah. no, like, you can't figure out the, where the trail is. Like, you're here now for yep. several days. Like, you're lost.
0: To, no one's coming for a while. What, what to are you do for do?
1: shelter. You know, what things can you eat? What can't you eat? You know, what do you do about water? What do you do if you're injured? You know, all that kind of stuff. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things you can do that can prolong your time out there. And, it, you know, being lost is a, you're playing a time game.
0: Well, and this is where we, we stressed in the last episode, bringing real simple uh, life-saving devices that don't take up space is just a great idea Thermal because- Thermal blanket. Yeah, that's probably Waterproof the biggest matches. one.
1: matches. But
0: even, even outside of that stuff, if you can keep yourself warm at night in an area that's cold, mm-hmm. you can live for three days without water yeah. and up to a week without food. So right away, you could just say, I have no resources whatsoever. And I, I mean, can live at least three days if you- cannot freeze at night. Yeah. So like things like bringing the tiny thermal blanket, stuff like that. I would love to do an episode where we talk about just the simple things that, you know, we're not going to tell you to carry 20 extra pounds of stuff to (laughs) survive a day hike. No, like, Hey, throw this stuff in your purse and leave it in your purse. Like a a thermal blanket can fit in your purse. You won't even know it's there. Mm -hmm. So if you're going a day hike, you better have that in your backpack. Maybe like it'd be four or five things that could make you live another week in the woods. uh,
1: Even they, they even make little UV light filters that are, not much bigger than the size of like a pen, like a yep. highlight marker, and you know one of the things if you're if you're going to be stuck out in the woods for you know longer than a few days, it, I mean obviously if your only choice is to drink untreated water, do it because yes. survival is the ultimate goal. But if you drink untreated water and it's loaded with you know some nasty bacteria, yeah, or something, you get diarrhea. Like that is going to speed up. Yeah, the dehydration gets worse. Your problems. I mean, so. There's a lot of real simple things. And like I said in the past episode, I've you got You can a,
0: even throw the pills in your purse. They like don't expire. Yeah. They're real easy. Uh, there's a lot of real stuff you small, can
1: Real small, basic. There's a first aid kits the size of wallets that you can carry that have just real basic things, uh, You know, even if you get stung by a bee and are allergic. I mean, you, there's things you can bring with that, like I said, the ultimate goal is time, buying yourself more time. Because the longer you can stay alive, the better the chance the searchers are going to find you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so... We'll have to do an episode. I'd love to get a survival expert on. Yeah, that'd that'd
0: be really cool. So if
1: any of you are survival experts, uh, reach out to us as well.
0: (laughs) That listener show showing just cringe when we say things wrong. This is your opportunity to come on and set the record
1: straight. Yeah, Uh, I mean, the thing is, a lot of it is common sense, in my eyes, of things to bring. Like, you just got to think, like, where are you? All right, is it cold? All right, I need something that I can keep warm. Like that's lightweight. That's a
0: great way to put it. Is yeah. it cold where I'm at? Or I need things that keep me warm. Is, there, is it really hot where I'm at? Or I need things that keep me cool.
1: Is there is there water where I'm going hiking? Do I need to, you know, bring a little filter? Uh I mean there's all kinds of, we won't go into any more detail this time, but um, yeah, I don't even know where I started with that point. We've been rambling for so long. Yeah. <laughs> no, just
0: doing a show specific around either yeah. just basic survival. Once you're lost, once you're lost, assuming you're lost, don't know where to get back. Or you've hit that point where it's that realization of, oh crap. And, and I what would, do you immediately start doing to yeah. increase your odds of <laughs> yeah. making it out?
1: And a couple lessons. Don't wear blue jeans. Yes. Bring your cell phone. Don't turn it off. Uh, if you have a couple little battery packs, bring those too and make sure they're charged. Cause then you, you can get an extra couple days out of your phone and um, what was the third real simple thing? I just lost my train of thought now. Oh, <laughs> if you're hiking in a really remote area like uh, Diablo Canyon Canyon, the episode we just did prior, maybe spend a couple hundred dollars and actually buy a personal locator beacon. Yeah, they're, that that will do it right there. They're one-use devices. They're they're pretty. You know, they're kind of expensive to buy, and there is a pretty hefty charge if you have to use it. But it literally bounces a signal off a satellite to search and rescue op, you know, teams and gives them your exact location. Yeah. And you will
0: 100%. If you're ever stuck with having to pay the rescue fees, contact us. We'll run a campaign. <laughs> we'll get it covered. Yeah. If we can keep you not from being a topic of our show other than you survived... We'll figure out a way now to cover for it. I'm not saying, it. That? like, if you, you're
1: hiking Yosemite or one of the main parks, you need to have a personal location. Yeah, if you're weekend. around lots of people. But if you're, a
0: remote, but if you're a remote, 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 remote
1: hiking in, like, Idaho, like, way off the beaten track, like, having one of those probably isn't the worst idea. Yep. No, <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. All
0: right. I, I, I think we're per- – so, overall, I would say these disappearances aren't as mysterious as they think. I think it's coincidental because it's yeah. a heavily trafficked spot. Um, a mixture of potential foul play for the first two, potential self-harm, and then accident. Yeah. Would you agree? I'm on your train. All right. (laughs) It rarely happens Yeah, you're there. (laughs) So thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate all of you for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also have the YouTube channel where you can see us live or semi-live, whatever you call it when we record it, but we're there. (laughs) Um, and if you want to support our show monetarily, you can buy some swag off our Facebook store. Uh, Mike will eventually be getting our store on the website. Maybe by next episode. Maybe by next episode. <laughs> uh, otherwise you can sign up for Patreon for as little as a dollar a month or more, where you will get swag and access to exclusive Patreon content. So go check that out. And just remember when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or just taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks. And we will see you all next time.